Before we begin, the Half Moon podcast would like to recognize that we are situated on the traditional unceded territories of the Semiamu and Coast Salish people. We are proud of our relationship with the Semiamu First Nation. Welcome to the Half Moon Podcast. I'm Finn. I'm joined by Sonia as a host. And today we've got two special guests on today, both of Semiamu Secondary's Vice Principals, Miss White and Mr. Dwinitz. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, just start by like telling us a bit about yourself. Where did you guys grow up? And tell us about starting out teaching and everything. Oh. All right. Well, I've been selected to go first, so um, I will. So. Well, I didn't grow up in Canada. I grew up in the United States in Texas, um, in deep east Texas, right along the Louisiana border. So um, you could call me a swamp bug if you wanted to. Um, But I spent most of my adult life in Dallas-Fort Worth area, and that's where I began my career in education, uh, working for several districts in that area. I came to Canada in 2013, and... um, I'm now a Canadian citizen. I love it here and um, don't see myself going back anytime soon. Uh, And part of the reason I got her to go first is because that's a little more exciting than mine. I grew up, uh, well, I was born in Peace Arch Hospital, which is ever so far from here. Um, I grew up on the peninsula. I've lived on the peninsula pretty much my entire life, except for when I went away to university and when I lived overseas teaching English. So this this is my home. So how did you guys come to be vice principals at Semiamu? Well, I applied. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I went through a pretty intensive, the interview process was pretty intensive. Um, There's several different steps. But the last um, interview was a panel of five people, and Mr. Renew was on the panel. And uh, I guess he liked me because he chose me to come here. So that's how I ended up. Uh, I taught for, for 10 years at Sullivan Heights. I taught uh, social studies and was the social studies department head there. Uh, I was also the athletic director. Uh, I ran the basics department. So I had a pretty wide background. Uh, and then I decided one year to try being the vice principal of summer school. Uh, and I liked it. <laughs> so the next year I applied to be a regular school vice principal. Swing and a miss the first time out. <laughs> Second time, um, I actually applied to summer school again, got the summer school job again. And then after that, got applied for regular school vice principal and got hired and was told in the uh, during the phone call, normally when you get hired as a vice principal, you're placed in a pool and they will contact you when they have a school for you. So the, the assistant superintendent who hired me said, uh, okay, you're in the pool. I'm like, thank you, that's awesome. He goes, great, now dry yourself off, you're going to Semiamo. So I have friends that were in the pool for a year, and I was in the pool for five seconds, and I'd like to give them a bad time about that. So what do you miss most about being a classroom teacher? Hmm. Well, I think just the the connection with all sorts of students, the diversity of teaching. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in the office, you unless you're out there in the school community, you really only see the kids that get sent to the office. And so... <laughs> You know, um, being a classroom teacher, I just, I feel like sometimes you can really make a big difference in students' lives. I also, um, 
have always loved the subjects that I've taught. I've taught English, um, English literature, socials, although it was U.S. history and Texas history, and um, ELL. And I have, you know, I, I love being a teacher in the regard that I get to do things that I really like, like you know, read my favorite novels and make others read them with me. <laughs> A lot of parallels. Um, I I joke that I usually see kids on their best day or on their worst day, rarely on an average day. Uh, And that length of time in a classroom where you can get to know kids, um, I I quite enjoyed that. I do find in this role, because I'm not bound by a bell schedule, like I don't have to be in a certain spot in block A or block B, that when I do work with kids, I get to spend more time with them, which I love. Um, But just that breadth of time with kids is, is, is... as a classroom teacher, is a real gift, uh, and I do miss that sometimes. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so before you got to Semiamu, what was your perception of it, and is it changed in any way? <laughs> ah, well, um, I had actually been here a few times when I um, when I first came to Canada. I was working as an assistant principal at a private boarding school in North Vancouver. And um, I decided I wanted to get back into public school, um, public education. And so to get into Surrey, I took a job as a part-time TOC, um, part-time teacher. And so I did TOC over here a few times, and I really liked it. Um, The staff was great. The students were were super friendly. you know, you. I was in the north end of Surrey at uh, Johnson Heights for a while, and you always hear, oh, you know, the south end is, is wonderful. And so it was kind of exciting um, to to be placed down here. Um, and, and I think just from having been here a few times before, it was what I thought, and, you know, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I graduated from Earl Marriott, so this place was the enemy. <laughs> uh, when I when I told a bunch of my friends I was coming here as vice principal, a lot of the comments were, "Are we allowed to talk to you anymore? Like you're, you're crossing crossing the boundaries and joining the dark side." Um, so growing up, I had a certain view of the school because again, we were it was the rival school. Uh, but since I've gotten here, I mean, you get to know the place and get to know the people, and, and obviously, uh, I'm now make jokes about. I used to be a mariner, and now I'm a Thunderbird. (laughs) (laughs) So just in general, this can be previous experience and also at Semiamu, but Mm -hmm. what was your biggest surprise when you became a Mm -hmm. vice principal? Yeah, so um, it's interesting because I became a principal before I became a vice principal. (laughs) Uh, There was a... Um, back in Texas, there was a, a program that grew quite exponentially, uh, mainly. It, w- it was a second language, uh, kind of like the, the Welcome Center is here in Surrey, a second language school. And within about a three-year period of time, they had a 400% growth in uh, migrant students, refugee students coming in. Um, I'd been working in ELL. Um, I was about to finish my master's up in educational administration, and they basically said we would like you to run this school and so I didn't I didn't have the opportunity to be a vice principal first and so it was a huge learning curve Um, and I guess just the the amount of time dealing with um, you know I thought I would just be out there in the classrooms all the time and working with the teachers and so I think a big surprise for me and it still rings true as a vice principal as well is just the amount of time spent on, um, you know, 
dealing, uh, handling emails, parent phone calls, uh, working with one-on-one with just a small group of students instead of getting to know a, a larger group of students. And then just all of the, you know, forms and things and that you have to do and, and fill out and the policies and procedures. So. The number of different jobs there are in a school, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of the stuff that, that Ms. White said, but just the number of different support people that are in the building and in the district, right? We've got child and youth care workers, Aboriginal support workers, counselors, safe school liaisons. There's all of these different people in, in a school that you don't always see or acknowledge. Uh, and as a classroom teacher, you're very much in, I was very much in my room. I wasn't, I wasn't big on sending kids to the office. I'd rather yell at them myself. Um, <laughs> So you don't necessarily always access those. So when you get into this role, you realize how many different support people there are in the building that are there to help kids. And then if I make a few phone calls, there's even more than the district level. So just all of those people that are focused on supporting youth. Um, it's not something that I thought about as a classroom teacher, but now I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people here that are, that are here to help. So what do you think about the culture that Semiamu has? Like, do we have a specific culture here? Mm-hmm. Well, as, as kind of the outsider coming in, um, I think it's a, a very, I think there's a very strong tradition, like a lot of the culture is built on tradition. You can walk around the school and you see, um, you know, pictures of classes all the way back to the 1950s and um, you can see where they've added on and, you know, and, and so I think it's a very proud culture. I think it's a a changing cultures who bring in the Thunderbirds and um, you know focus more on on why uh, we've we've done that um, and I also think it's a, a culture built on um, you know the importance of of not just education while you're here but also on what our students are going to go out into the world and do and, and be that global citizen and that's what I see I, the, the tradition for sure um... And again, just going back to my history, when I walk down the hallways, it's uh, every I try to pause for a moment when I go by my parents' grad photo and just say hi. <laughs> um, but I, I think that, that that sense of history can be very empowering because you get to see everybody that came before you. Uh, you go down to the math wing and you see uh, the Langlands Award. Right, We're talking about somebody who's described as the Michael Jordan of math. And to know that he came from this building can be very empowering for people to see if this person can have that success. What is my link in the chain and how can I carry it forward? So I think that the tradition can be very powerful, but we have to be mindful of why are we doing the things that we're doing, right? Like we, we look at the, the, the move from the old logo to Thunderbirds. Why are we doing that? Why are the traditions we valued, why do we value them and how are they still relevant and important to us? Um, and I'm kind of skipping ahead <laughs> to one of the other questions, but if we're looking for silver linings for me in the pandemic, it's been an opportunity to, to pause and reevaluate and reassess why do we do the things we do? Are these, these activities and things we've no longer been able, that we had to stop doing moving forward, are they things that we still value and find important? Right? And, and if they are, how can we bring them back and make sure that they're celebrated? But just that pause to say, well, we've always done it that way. No, 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 don't ever say we've always done it that way. Yeah. Know why you're doing what you're doing. Know why this is important, right? And yeah. build on that legacy. It's true. Yeah, I completely agree. And so that sort of just leads into, you know, what has the pandemic taught you about working with youth? Mm-hmm. 
Well, it has been a huge change for everybody. Um, I must say it was quite a shock um, when we did the initial shutdown in 2020. And um, I was teaching English, uh, English 10 and English 12 at Johnson Heights that year. And um, I'm like, we can't shut down. I'm in the middle of a novel, <laughs> you know. And so I think it's. I think one thing it taught was the just the resiliency and the. It brought out a lot of talents that you might not have seen in students. Like um, when we went to teams, you know, students chatting, uh, sending me chats, going, "Hey, have you ever thought about doing this or doing that? Or what if we, what if I create this site and we can all get on it and." And, um, you know, I might not, might not have ever known that, that some of those talents existed. And just the resiliency of, of everyone to, to figure out ways to cope with this and to, um, you know, keep, keep their, um, you know, academic progress up and, and all of these things going on. And I think, um, you know, I just, it, I, I kind of soldiered on, but one day um, I'm working at my computer and my son, who was in third grade at the time, is over there and I've got him set up on a computer and his little French class came on and they had not seen each other in almost a month and the teachers had arranged a little Zoom meeting. And just the the excitement at that social interaction and being able to see their friends and everyone's yelling, you know, and it just made me cry. I was just like, kind of lost it from it. But um, I just, I think just being able to see how everyone did what they needed to do and really coped and the resiliency that was there and the strength through this was, was astounding and still is. Um, two things the importance of mental health conversations, right? And I think as a society, we're moving in the direction where those conversations are becoming more mm-hmm. prevalent and more acceptable. Um, I look at something, a show like uh, Ted Lasso, which I love, uh, and the way they discuss mental health issues, and also the way they discuss um, and present a different view of what masculinity is, I think are, is phenomenal. Uh, and then the other one, and this is something that we were trying to, we were discussing, again, when, when we moved to virtual, was... Connections before content, right? Build build your classroom connections, build your connections with your students, and then worry about getting the stuff done. If you can build those connections with kids, if the kids know you and trust you, you can teach them way more stuff and, and they'll do so in a way that they're willing to take risks and willing to try things. So just that importance of creating a safe environment for kids and a, and a, and a connection with them. Um, spend the time in the beginning and do that and you'll actually find that your class works better and goes farther. Mm-hmm. So mental health and connections before curriculum. Yeah, that's really wonderful to hear. And going off of that, um, is there anything else that you miss being unable to do in school uh, due to the pandemic? (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see what everyone really looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's been a couple awkward moments where I've called kids by the wrong name because I can't really see half their face. (laughs) And, and, you know, being new, being in a new school, I'm like, I don't know what anybody looks like. (laughs) I've never seen anyone here without their masks on. So, um, yeah, but I just, I can't wait until we can really get back to some of the you know, the things that I've always enjoyed about being in a large school was just the the big social events, uh, you know, coming together in the gym and having some kind of assembly or program, um, you know, doing all sorts of clubs and things like that that have kind of 
either uh, maybe not shut down but have been reduced and you know I think those are so important um, we just mentioned the mental health aspect and I think being able to congregate to have that social interaction with our peers and our colleagues is so important for mental health and I think for those reasons um, you know mental health of many people has taken a big hit um, in the last year or two and so that's something I really miss I, you know, I'm ready to get out there at a pep rally or something and rah rah <laughs> uh, my first two years here one of the things I loved doing was getting into classrooms and so I would wander around and spend 10 minutes in this room and talk to some kids and see what they were doing and talk to the teachers uh, and then go to the next class and, and just keep doing that um, it's not that I don't I can't do that it's just that in the current climate I'm I'm hesitant, right? I don't want to be another, when we were in court, particularly when we were in cohorts, I didn't want to be another person in this space that was fear of making people uncomfortable. So I've, I've scaled that back, um, but it's one of my favorite things to do about the job. Uh, and um, looking forward to when we're in a, in a better place, being able to just wander into classrooms and, and work with kids and work with teachers and, and see what's going on in the building. Mm-hmm. And on a personal level, what's something you look forward to doing once the restrictions mm, are okay. back? That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a personal level, um, I in Canada, it's just me, my partner, and my son. All my family is either in the United States or Mexico. And so um, one of the things I can't wait to do is go see them. It's been three years since I've seen my family. And so I am so looking forward, hopefully this summer, will be the summer that I get to go um, and uh, maybe hang out at the beach in Pensacola or somewhere or go to Mexico. And then the other thing is just travel. I, I've always loved traveling and it's just kind of taken a halt. Um, so I'm really looking forward to you know being able to go and explore places I've never been to before and um, learn about the cultures in these you know, these different countries, and um, I'm really, really looking forward to doing that again. Um, I used, uh, I spent a year teaching English in Japan before I started teaching in BC, uh, and my dad um, has spent a lot of time in Japan on business, so we were actually talking about the two of us going back and visiting, because neither of us had been there in a long time. So that's, on a personal level, something I'd love to do is to go back to Japan with my dad, and again, mm -hmm. travel and, and I'm lucky that my whole family's here, but but I do miss traveling. Awesome, Tim. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the school population before we sign off? Um, I think that this is, you know, this podcast is a wonderful idea and an excellent mm -hmm. opportunity to give voices to people uh, and to share what's going on in our building. And anytime we can celebrate, you know, the students, the staff, uh, and the work that's being done here, I think is is a good thing. Um, and so. Thank you to you guys for, for coming mm -hmm. up with this and doing this. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great. I agree 100% um, with what was just said. And, and also, I'd just like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to introduce myself to more of the, the school community. Because, um, I, like I said, <laughs> I'm still trying to get out there and meet everyone. So I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and thank you guys for coming on. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'd like to thank the team that helped get these questions ready and also will be editing this episode. Thank you. We'll see you back next week. Thank you. Bye.